Welcome everyone. We ended off last night talking about David HaMelech and that every parasha that was Chaviv on David, he started with Asher and he ended with Asher. Uh, Toso points out this just means that he starts and ends with the same exact concept that he left off with. If you start and end with the same idea, it means that it's something that he loved, he loved the idea and he wanted to emphasize it. We are now four lines down on the Fyuramuraf. Hanu Baryuni the Havid Bashushpinta Dirbimir. There were these Baryuni, Baryuni are violent people, who lived in the neighborhood of Rabimir. And they caused him troubles to no end. Rabimir wanted to pray about them in order that they should die. His wife, Ruya, told him, My what is your thought process when you think that you should pray that they should die? Of course, you must have a pasuk. You're not just doing it out of a knee-jerk reaction. What is your, what is your thoughts? Because it says we should get rid of the sinners from the world and the pasuk in Tehilim. She says, Miktiv Chotaim. It doesn't say sinners, Chotaim. Chotaim means sins. If you read the actual Pasuk, it sounds like sins. So therefore, it sounds like you should get rid of sins and not the sinners. The odd, another point, Shafir le Sefer Look at the end of the Pasuk. It says, Vilishaim od enam. It says, and there will be no more wicked people. Do we need to tell you that there's going to be no more Rishayim if we get rid of the sinners? Rather, the right course of order is ask for mercy on them, not that they should die, but rather if they do Teshuvah, then they won't be Rishayim anymore. So according to this, the Pasuk ends off Rishayim Od Enam, Yani ending off saying that when they get rid of the sins, there won't be any more sinners at all. What did he do? He did ask for mercy on them, and they did do Teshuvah. The Maharsha explains that the word chataim has a double connotation. It can mean sins and it can mean sinners. The word chotim could only mean sinners. And she's pointing out that, that the word, why did you choose, for her first point was, why did you choose to take the word chotim, chataim, and explain it as sinners? You could have learned it as sins and then you're not allowed to. Pray for, pray for them to die. And her second point is, and also if you look at the end of the, of the Pasuk, when it says Urshaim Odenam, the redundancy of that would indicate that it, the first part of the Pasuk does not mean sins, but rather it means sinners. The word, again, the word Chataim could mean both sinners and sins, but the reason why we should assume that it means sins and not sinners is because the end of the book says Urshaim Odenam and therefore it would be redundant, it would be doubled and unnecessary if the first part of the Pasuk meant sinners, rather it should read at sins, and that's what he did. He prayed for them to do Teshuvah, which they did. Okay. Now we are 
on the second middle sized line. There was a Saduki we, before, and we spoke about uh, this Baitusim and the Sidukim. These are two different types of people who don't believe in Torah Shabbat. She He tells her, Ktiv, Roni Akara Loyalada. It's funny that he's making fun of a Pasuk when, in fact, the only thing they actually believe in is a Pasukim. He says, Roni Akara, sing, you barren woman, a woman who has no kids, Loyalada, because you haven't given birth. He asked the question, Mishum de Loyadada, Roni, because she didn't give birth, she should sing? Why should she? Amrale, she told him, Shatya, you fool. Shvil the Sefer de Kra, you didn't even read the end of the Pasuk. Tehtiv, as it says, Kirabim bere shomema bebre beula. Because there are many, because there are many, Rabim bere shomema bebre beula. Amar Hashem. If it says, Kirabim bere shomema, there are many, uh, children who are wasting their time, says Hashem. Ela my akara. So if they have many children, then why, if, why are we calling her an akara? My akara lo yalada. Rather, Roni klesit Yisrael. Rather, we're saying that the Jewish people should sing. The the, the akara over here are the Jewish people. Shedomele isha akara. Because the Jewish people are like a woman who never gave birth, because we don't have we don't have any children who are going to Gehinam like you are. Seemingly, she's turning the pasuk and saying that he's going to Gehinam. Another story about Tzaduki. It says, One pasuk says, which we mentioned before. When he's running away from Avshalom, his son, it says, It says, David, a song when he was running away from Shaul in a cave. Now, if you look on the side, you'll see that one pasuk is in Tehilim, Peregimel, and the other pasuk is in Tehilim, Peregnun Zayin. Now, the pasuk of Shaul is the later one. But we know, If we look into it, we know that the story of Shaul was first, because David didn't even have Avshalom till after he was married. And the story of Shaul running away from Shaul was when David wasn't king, and Avshalom was, he was already king. So it says, So then how come Shaul's is not mentioned first? So Rabbi Abhu told the Tzaduki, Atun, you fellows, to Lord Hashem who do not learn simuchin. Simuchin means you do not um, use make you do not attribute any significance to two pesukim that are right next to each other. Kasha Therefore, you have a question: Why the order is reversed? But Anan the Darshin and Simuchin, but we who do learn verses that are next to each other, Lo Kashilan, we do not have such a question. Why? Because how do we know that um, two pesukim next to each other should be uh, examined to see why they're next to each other? Therefore, why is the parasha of Shalom right next to the parasha of Gog and Magog? Because if, if you look in the the uh, Mizmor of Tehillim before the one of Avshalom, it was talking about 
that's Tehilim Perek Bet. It's talking about Gog Magog. And why does that have to be right next to Avshalom? Sheim Yomalacha Adam. Klum Yesh Eved Shemored Bilabbo. A person might wonder that in the time of Gog Magog, we have an Eved, we have slaves rebelling against his, against his master. A person might say, I don't believe in the idea of Mashiach Shalom. After all, we never have such a thing that a slave rebels against his master. Do you ever have a son who rebels against his father and tries to kill his father? But, but we know what happened. By Avshalom, we know what happened that Avshalom actually did try to kill David. Hachanami, so too, Hava, it's going to be in the time of Gog Magog. So the story of Avshalom actually comes to help us believe in the truth of Gog Magog. The Marashah points out still, we answer the question, why can't the story of Shaul be first? So we explain that uh, Gog Magog is something that's necessary for the future. Shaul, the story of Shaul is a historic story which teaches us lessons in the, in the past. But the story of Gog Magog is what's necessary for the future. The belief in Mashiach is the first thing that's necessary. That's why in the first Pericum Tehillim we talk about Gog Magog, even though, of course, uh, Gog Magog is actually the second Pericum Tehillim, but we already mentioned earlier that the first two Pericum are connected. And therefore, in the actual very first Pericum Tehillim, we talk about Gog Magog. And that's why, in order to make sure that you believe in the story of Gog Magog fully, we put right next to it the story of Avshalom, which is equally unbelievable, which makes you believe the story of Gog Magog. hope that's clear. We now are two lines into the wide lines. Amar Yochanan, Mishum Rabbi Shimon Bayochan. Says Rabbi Yochanan, the name of Rashbi. My dichtiv. What is this that says that she opens her mouth with wisdom and the Torah of kindness is on her tongue? In Mishle, Shalomo Melech mentions that she opens her mouth with wisdom with Torah Chesed Who is he talking about? He was talking about his father David. He lived in five different olamim, five different types of worlds. And he said, he praised Hashem about each one. Which means David was such a person that he didn't take for granted a world that he lived in. Often people take for granted. David used to think about the chesed of Hashem in each world that he actually lived in. And he started praying about it. It doesn't mean that he prayed for it at that time necessarily, but he prayed afterwards to thank Hashem for the time that he was there. He lived in his mother's womb, and he said shira about it. Obviously not necessarily when he was in the womb, but when he came out, he didn't take it for granted that one time he was there. Uh, my soul will bless Hashem and all my innards will 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 bless His holy name. Meaning, Kravai, the innards, meaning the fact that He was inside His mother's stomach. He came out to the air of the world and He looked up and He notices that there are stars and there are uh, zodiacs. 
ברוך הוא השם, מלאכיו גיבורי כוח עושי דברו, לשמוע בכל דברו. ברוך הוא השם כל צבא אף. בלס השם, all his armies, השם's armies are the celestial bodies which are so huge all over the world, which are so huge many many times the size of the earth, and yet they're all here to do Hashem's will and to shine on earth in once, even, even in a small manner. Yanak mishte imo, he nursed from his mother's breasts, v'nistakil b'tadea v'amal shira, and he looked at them and, and he said, shira, sh'neemar, barachi nafshi et Hashem, v'al tashkiki kol gemulav, What's so special about Gimulav, about those who finish nursing, those who are weaned? Because Hashem made a woman uh, nurse in a place of Bina, in a place of wisdom. What, what Hashem specifically made it that human beings nurse in, in a, when, when a mother is hugging a baby, as opposed to animals that very often they nurse their babies when the babies are standing behind them and not holding on to them. Time am I, what's the reason? We don't want the baby to have to look at the private parts of the mother and therefore they put it in a way where they don't have to be next to the private parts. In order that he doesn't have to nurse from a place that's dirty. He saw the falling of the Rishayim. And he said, That's what we mentioned beforehand. When he saw the Rishayim dying and the Rishayim getting destroyed, he's happy that he sees the Kamot Hashem, that he sees that the Rishayim don't get away with things. When we see, normally in the world, we often see the Rishayim getting away with stuff, but yet it's considered a positive thing when Hashem allows us to see the true punishment of Rishayim. And then finally, He looked at the day that people die. And the day that people die, most people are not thinking about that being a world, but in truth he sees that he's going to a new world, and that's another world as well. He says, how do we know that that when it says that you put on beauty is referring to how do we know that's going on look at the end of the you will hide your face they will get nervous when you add your ruach they end up dying it's either Rav Bar Ukva or Bar Ukva himself. He would, they would often show up at Rav Shimon Ben Pazi's house. And they would learn these Musar Gemarot in front of him. In front of Rav Shimon Ben Pazi. And all my innards will say will praise his name. Amalei, he said, Humans are not like Hashem. The person will draw a picture on a wall. He's not able to make it 3D and put into it uh, life and uh, and intestines and um, 
innards, Hashem not only makes a beautiful image, but he also has an entire structure within the person. Normally the person goes and sees, even if you see a statue, the statue is empty inside. Hashem makes a beautiful, beautiful statue, but inside the statue there's, there's tremendous wisdom in the innards of a person. And that's why he also doesn't just make it so beautiful inside, he also puts in life. And that's why Chana said in, in, when, when she gave birth to Shemuel, and Kadosh there's no one like, holy like Hashem, because there's no one that compared to you. And there is no rock like Hashem. My What does it mean? There's no rock like Hashem. And Sayyad. Read, don't read it Sur, read it Sayyad, which is, there is no artist like Hashem. Because if you think about it, we think that a person sees a wonderful statue, and you say, wow, what wisdom. But yet, you don't look at your own body. How often people ignore their own body, and they don't focus on the fact that Hashem is so, so, so much greater. When you see a person work so hard just to make a lifelike statue, think of how Think of how, what great wisdom goes into a life statue. And that's the greatness of David Melech. That most other people, when they live in these worlds, they don't think about their world. They think about the world that they're in. David Melech sat through life and didn't take anything for granted. And that's how he became the great David Melech. So says the Gemara, another pshat. My ki en beltecha. What does it mean, ki en beltecha? Literally, it means there's no one like you. Amr Buda bar Manasya. Altekli ki en beltecha. Don't read it that there's no one like you. Ela en lebalotecha. There's no one who can outlast you. Shelo kimidat hagalus v'chu b'midat basavadam, which is unlike humans. Midat basavadam, human beings maseidam b'vlimato. The structure that he make often outlasts them. A person builds a house and it's usually around when he passes away. Who is here longer than his own his own um, handiwork? This is what I meant to say. These five Achin of she's who did David say opposite? Just like Hashem fills the whole world, so too a person's neshama fills his whole body. Mark the person's life, a person's whole body must have life, otherwise it falls off. Just like a Baruch can see everything that's going on, and yet he, you can't see him. So too a person's neshama, he can see what's going on, and you can't see it. Just like Hashem it provides sustenance for the whole world, so too the Shema provides the sustenance for the whole body. Just like Hashem is pure, so too the Shema also is Tahor. Just like Hashem sits in a hidden place, Someone who has 
these three things, we who have these, the neshama, who has all these five things, should be the one to praise, call on the neshama, well, that's why the neshama is the one who should praise HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We are now at the two dots, about 15 lines, or 13 lines from the bottom of Daf Yudah Baraf. Amar Rabbi Hamnuna, my dichtiv, mi keachach, who is like the wise one and who's, who knows the explanation? Who is like Hashem who knows how to make a compromise between two great tzaddikim? Who are the great tzaddikim? Chizkiyahu, of course, was one of the few kings who came from David HaMelech, who was a tremendous Sadiq, much, much later on. Um, in the beginning, David and Shlomo were, of course, big Sadiqim, but after they passed away, many of the descendants were not Sadiqim. However, Cheskiyahu came much, much later, but he did, he became a tremendous Baal Teshuvah. And Yeshayahu is the famous Navi Yeshayah. Both of them are Sadiqim, and Hashem had to come and compromise between the two of them. Chizkiyah Amar, Chizkiyah said, let Yeshayahu come to me, I'm the king. Yeshayahu is the Navi. The Navi has to respect the king, and the Navi should come to me. How did he know? What was his source that the Navi should come to him? We see that Eliyahu and Navi went to go visit Ahav, even though Ahav was not a Sadiq. So certainly... Uh, Yeshaya should come see me. Yeshayahu said, Liti Chizkiyahu goodbye. Chizkiyahu should come to me. Da'achi Ashkechan b'Yehoram ben Ahav. We find by Yehoram, the son of Ahav, Ahav's son, Da'azal l'gabe Elisha. He went to Elisha the Navi. So therefore, for, surely, if a Rasha will come to a Sadiq, to a, to a Navi, surely a Sadiq like Chizkiyahu should come. Ma'asakash b'rachu. Hebi Yisurim ha'chizkiyahu. He caused that Hashkiyahu got sick. And he told Yeshayahu to go and visit the Chole. In a way, each one is getting Musar. Hashkiyahu is getting Musar because he's getting sick. And Yeshayahu is getting Musar because he's ending up going when he didn't want to go. In those days, the Pasuk says, in those days, Chizkiyahu got sick and was on his deathbed. And Yishayahu tells him, this is what Hashem says, Make your will, make your last will and testament. Because you're going to die and you're not going to live. Now, usually, most people that die do not live. And there's no reason for the Pasuk to mention that a person who dies is not going to live. Says you're going to die in this world. You're not going to live in the next world. They told him, why am I going to die in the next world? I did a few good deeds. Because you did, you did not busy yourself with having children. One of the main reasons for, for being in the world is to do procreation. 
It's a misvah. And you ignore the misvah. You leave one of Hashem's things, Hashem's going to kill you for it. He says, what are you talking about? That's a reason to kill me? The only reason why I didn't have children is because I knew that, the, that I saw in Ruach HaKodesh that my children are not going to be good children. And if they're going to be kings and not good kings, they can bring the whole Klal down. Most kings are not like me. Most kings don't really care what their kids come out. They're just thinking about having women. And yet, I'm the opposite. I don't have women because I'm afraid of what my kids are going to come out. So Yeshaya told him back, In these streets of Hashem, you don't belong. What are you doing on Hashem's street? Which means, Hashem's job is to decide how the world works and who comes out out of who. Your job is to do the mitzvot. What Hashem commanded you, you should have done that. Whatever Hashem wants to do, He'll do. You do your mitzvah of having kids. And Hashem will do what He wants to do. It's none of your business what your, ch- what your children are going to come out like. So He told him, If that's true, Then let me marry your daughter. So we have an interesting marriage proposal. We have a person in a, in a deathbed who is proposing to the Navi's daughter. Why does he want the Navi's daughter? Efshar, he says, Efshar, Perhaps my zikhut and your zikhut will have children who are worthy. Even though I saw Ruach Kodesh not going to be worthy, maybe the fact that it's such great consuegros will get us worthy children. So, Yeshayahu denies it. And he does not agree to give his daughter to him. He says, he says, I'm sorry, I'm not giving my daughter to a man whose days are so numbered. In Shemaim, they already said, it now on you, that you're going to die. I'm not interested in my daughter being a widow so fast. So Chizkiyahu said back to Yishayahu, Ben Amots, he called him by his father's name, you son of Amots, stop your nevuah and kish. This is my tradition from the house of my grandfather, David HaMelech. Even if you have a sharp sword on the neck of a person, he should not stop begging for mercy. You should never look at it and say that my, if, you, if you're breathing, you should never say, I don't want to ask for mercy. You could always ask for mercy. David Melech knows good and well that many, many tight spots Hashem got him out of, even though, even though a person would assume that he would never be able to live. It manami, he said also, they will kill me, even though they will kill me, to him I will pray. So we see from this story that uh, Ishayahu and Ishayahu, even though he had the correct devoir, he was not correct in his assessment of the the story that a person could always ask for a hamim. 
אמר רבי חנן, רבי חנן סס, אפילו בעל החלמות אומר לו לאדם, למחר הוא מת, even if a, a, a dream reader would tell a person that he's dying tomorrow, האם נעשמו מנחמים? He should not stop asking for mercy. שנאמר, כי ברוב חלמות והבלים גדולים הרבה, כי את אלוהים יראה מאוד. So we're, again, we're now we, we turn the page, we're now on the fourth line of Dafyur Omer Bet. Says the Gemara, Gemara finishes the story. Vayisab Chizkiyahu. So the Pasuk continues, Vayasev Chizkiyahu panav al-Akir. And Chizkiyahu turned his face to the wall. Vayitpailel and he prayed al Hashem. My kid, what does the word kid mean? Amr al-Shibraman al-Kish says, Mikirot libo, the word kir refers to the depths of his heart. He prayed with all his heart. Shneemad, me'ay ma'ay ochila kirot libi, from the walls of my heart. That's the opinion of Rish Lakish. Rabbi Levi Omer, al-iskeh kir. He spoke about the idea of a kir. Amal lefanav, he said in front of him, Rebron Shalom, umas shunamit, just like the shunamit. the lady who took care of Elisha. Shelo asata elakirachat kitana. It says about this lady, the Shunamit, that she particularly took care of Elisha and Avi because he, she, she made him an aliyat kir, an aliyat of a, of a kir. We'll see what that means in a minute. Katana, hechiatat banan, because of that, even when her son died, you... Did Tichiyat HaMetim to him, as the famous story with Elisha, who does Tichiyat HaMetim? Abi Abba, my grandfather, my grandfather who covered a Hechal with gold and silver, which is, you would think, the Kir, she's making a small little thing for Hashem's Navi. And my great-grandfather is much better. He's making, he's, he's making Kesef HaZahav, and he's making it for you yourself. How much more so? How much more so that you should take care of me? And therefore, and he also continues and says, I'm sorry, in the next pasuk, remember that I went in front of you, remember me that I followed you in truth and with a complete heart. I did what's good in your eyes. What does it mean that he says, What is he referring to when he's asking Hashem for a reward for the fact that he did what's good in Hashem's eyes? Says the Gemara, Amri Buddha, Amarav, Shesamachti Ulal Tefila. You know what he's asking for? He's asking because he was always careful that he always put Gaal Yisrael next to his Amidah. What we were talking about before, according to him, according to this first opinion, that's what he's asking for. Please remember that I always did what's good in your eyes. I always was Somerki Ulal Tefila. Rabbi Levi Omer, According to Rabbi Levi, he says, he's referring to the fact that he took the Sefer of Fuot. There was a special Sefer that was written by Shalomu HaMelech, which had in it the cures to all diseases. And people were relying on those cures, and they uh, stopped praying hard to Hashem. He took that Sefer, and he got rid of, the, he got rid of it. Yeah. Nowadays, people are always looking for cures to all diseases. In his days, he realized that 
diseases actually bring people close to Hashem and they're tools for Hashem. And if a person has a sefer of what, a person could miss the idea of a disease to get you close to Hashem. And that was one of the things he did good in the eyes of Hashem, that he got rid of the sefer of what. There were three, six great chidushim that Chizkiyah did. There were three of them that the rabbis agreed that there was the proper course of action. There were three that disagreed. What were the three they agreed with? He got rid of the Sefer of Wa'at, like we said. They agreed that that's right. He he ground up Moshe Rabbeinu's copper snake, which had that power to cure anyone with a snake bite, the Hodulo, and they agreed to get rid of that debt. Because people were starting thinking about it. He took his father's graves and instead his father's bones, and instead of making a royal funeral, he dragged it around on a bed of ropes in order that he should get a punishment in this world and not the next world, because his father was a big rasha. And the rabbis agreed that was right, in order that the Jews should see that a person who is a rasha, even if he's a king, deserves to get no kavod. And of course, by the way, that was very, very hard for him, because a king always wants to show that a previous king should get kavod in order that he should get kavod himself, and yet he want his he cared about Hashem's honor more than himself, and he wanted to make sure that everyone saw that Rasha gets punished. There were three things they did not agree with him on. Number one, Satam Megichon. There was a spring that was in Yerushalayim that he closed up. They didn't agree that it was the right thing to do. He cut off the doors of the Hechal and he sent them to the king of Ashur in order that he should not attack and destroy the Beit HaMikdash and they didn't agree with him and what else he made a leap year in Nisan he added a month in Nisan and they didn't agree that that was the right thing to do says the Gemara, how could it be that he would add an extra month of Nisan? We all know that it has to be only Adar that you can make it. Doesn't he know that Nisan is the first month, and once that happens, you can't add another month? Only Nisan could be Nisan, and you can't add two Nisans, you can only have one Nisan. Ela, rather, Ta'abed Shmuel. The mistake that he made was not that he made he made a leap year in Nisan, but rather he made a mistake of Shmuel. Because Shmuel said, before I explain Shmuel, I want to explain that every Jewish month could have either 29 or 30 days. The 30th day is a flex day. It could either be part of the next month as the first day of the next month, or it could be day 30 of the previous month, depending on whether it's a leap month or not. So what happened was that that Chizkiyahu did not know Shemuel's rule. Because Shemuel's rule was that, yes, you can make a leap here by adding an Adar Sheni any time during the month of Adar. So it could be any time in the month of Adar, Adar, the third of the month, and the rabbis can decide, okay, we're going to make a leap month, and after this month is finished, we'll have another Adar. And they could do that any time in the month 
up to the 29th of the month. But once you're on the 30th day of the month, which is a day that really could have been the first of Nisan, on that day, you're not allowed to make it into a leap year and say we're going to have another month after this. And he didn't know that rule. Since it could have been the day of Nisan, you're not, allowed to, you're not even allowed to use that day as a day to extend the year. Once it comes that day, you have to extend the next year, but not this year. Thought, we don't have this rule of since it could have been Nisan. He says, hey, it's not Nisan, it's still Adar. Why can I make a leap year now? And that's the, that's the third thing that the rabbis did not agree with for Chizkiyahu. Okay, in my Gemara, I'm right opposite Rav Nisim Gaon on the side of the page. I have an old Gemara. If not, I'm about halfway in between the medium-sized lines. Amar Rabbi Yohanan Mishum Rabbi Yossi Bar Zamra. If you'll notice beforehand, Chizkiyahu asked Hashem to save him in his own merit. In my zikhut, Hashem, wasn't I good? And he asked Hashem to save him in his own merit. So Rabbi Yossi is pointing out, anyone who asks Hashem for save, being saved for his own merit, when we save him, we save him in the merit of other people. And anyone who assumes he doesn't have enough merits, but he asks for saving in the merit of somebody else, Hashem ends up saving in his own merit. Moshe Benu, when he asked Hashem to save him, asked in other people's merit. Hashem ended up saving them in his own zikut, saving the Jews in Moshe's zikut. Which recounts the story of Hashem about to destroy the Jews for the Egel, says, and he said that he would destroy the Jews, Hashem said he would destroy the Jews, if it wasn't for Moshe, his select one, Ahmad Beperitz, Moshe stood in the gap, in front of Hashem, to calm his anger, from destroying, so you see that even though Moshe asks in the, in the merit of Abraham, Isaac, and Yaakov, Hashem ends up saving him in Moshe's merit. Heskiyahu, the opposite. Remember how I went in front of you righteously. When we saved him, we saved him in other people's marriage. And I decided to save the city when Yeshua was being surrounded, when Heskiyahu was being surrounded. She had to save it. For my sake, Hashem says, David Avdi, and for the sake of my servant David. So you see, he doesn't mention Haskiyahu, because Haskiyahu mentioned himself. This is the famous saying of Rishuban Levi. What is this Pasuk that says, Behold, for peace, bitter it's bitter to me. Even when Hashem said, Ha'ayim, Mar Hayalo. It was still hard for him. This means, even though Hashem ended up saving him, he did, which means he saved him from getting killed, there still was a little bit of a slap there that Hashem saved him in the merit of somebody else and not in his own merit. We're now at the two dots, four lines before the wide lines. We mentioned beforehand that 
Chizkiyahu contrasted his grandfather making the Beit HaMikdash with the Shunamit woman making an Aliyat Kir for Elisha. We're going to discuss this idea of Aliyat Kir. Ktana. Rav Shmuel, Zmachlok Rav Shmuel, what exactly, what was the structure that she made? Chadnamar Aliyah Piru'ah Haita. It was a, uh, an attic with no roof. Vikiru'ah, and he put a roof on it. So according to this, the Shunamit woman put a roof on her attic in order that Elisha should have his own place to call his own when he comes to her town in Shunam. Vichadamar, and the other one says, Achsadra Gidola Haita. There was a big um, porch. And she split the great porch into two. I understand if you learn that it was a porch which she split into two for privacy so she could have his own place. That's why he calls it a wall. You make a wall in the middle in order to separate between two areas so he gets his own thing. But if you say that it was a roof that she put on her uh, that was a roof that she put on her roof, meaning she put a ceiling on her roof so he could have shelter. My aliyah, my aliyah shibatim. The word aliyah means she made it. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. my kid. I skipped the line. According to aliyah, my kid. What does it mean? You made a wall. Shikirua, that you, that you. It had beams, and they put. Um, they put uh, they put beams along the along the top of the beams. They put slats on top of the beams. I understand according to one who says that it was an aliyah yani. It was a uh, a roof that you put on top of your roof. That's why we call it an aliyah. That's why we call it an attic. The word aliyah means an attic. And if you say there was my aliyah, what does it mean? If you say that it was a, a room that was split into two, why are we calling it an aliyah? Why are we calling it an attic? The word aliyah does, over here doesn't refer to a normal use. Aliyah and attic rather refers to it was one of the best of the houses. So again, let's just review what happened over here. The word aliyah sounds like an attic and kir sounds like a wall. So one rabbi says that it was a wall that we split an open space into two spots for the rabbi. And the other one says it was a attic that she put a roof on top of, which means a person, she had an open roof with no, with no place to, to, to shelter you on top, and she puts a roof on top of it. According to each one, either the word kir doesn't make sense, or the word aliyah doesn't make sense. And we explain each word according to each rabbi. Okay. We're now at the first word line. It says that the Shunamit woman, I'm going to place for the Navi Elisha in this Aliyat Kir that she made, whatever it was, according to the two opinions. She's going to place there a bed, a table, a chair, and a candle so he can learn. Which means, when a rabbi chooses to help people, there's two ways to help people. Because some rabbis who help people, and no matter what you do to them, they refuse to take anything from anyone else. That's like Shemuel and Avi. And Elisha was a rabbi who, even though he was a rabbi, he didn't mind accepting the the chesed of the Shunammite woman that she made him uh, his own place with a table, chair, and a, de- and a, and a, 
bed. So if you want to choose, if, I'm sorry, if you want to choose, um, which means that don't think, Rashi explains, don't think that it's like too high and mighty for a rabbi to say, I don't want to, uh, I want to teach you and I don't want anything from you. No, it's fine. A rabbi is allowed to take that path. And it's also, don't think that it's wrong for a rabbi to accept uh, uh, a favor for teaching. Both ways are, are right. Each way has, has its own benefit. When a rabbi accepts a favor, he's allowing people to serve him. And by allowing people to serve him, he's giving people a zikhut. And that, that in itself helps people turn to the right way. So in a way, the, in some ways, the way of Elisha is the best because he's allowing people the zikhut of helping the rabbi. And the other way, Shemuel's way is also beautiful because Shemuel's way shows that everything is l'shem shamayim. I'm teaching you because it's my mitzvah and, and, I'm, and I'm not looking for any benefit. Whereas if a rabbi is constantly looking for benefit, people sometimes look down on it. So therefore, the Al-Gamar is telling you that both ways have merit. Says the Gemara further. Shneemar haramata kisham beto. That he went back to Ramah because that's what his house. Wherever he went, he had his own tent and he never stayed in anyone's house. Now the Pasuk says, She told her husband when she wanted, she proposed making this extension for him. She says, I see that he's a holy man. We see from here that a woman always knows by her guests, whether they're holy or not. More than a man knows. Right? Kadoshu minayada. How did she know that he was so holy? One says that she never saw a fly next to his table. In those days, without insecticide, there was flies all over the place. But around his table, there were never any flies. The other rabbi says, She spread out a, a linen thing on his bed. And she saw that there was no keri on it. And she saw that he didn't have any emissions. She said he must be very, very holy. Kadoshu. Now, the Pasuk says, that she that she told her, I know him kadosh. What, what's the point of saying kadosh who? We want to point out kadosh who. Not only is he kadosh, um, meaning kadosh who. Only he's kadosh. Umusharato, but his servant Eno kadosh. Uh, Elisha had a servant called Gechsi, who we're going to see was seemingly a very low individual, even though he was connected to Elisha. How do we know? Shneimar vayigash Gechsi lahadafa. It says that Gechsi came to push her away from him. When she came to talk to him, Gechsi pushed her away, and Shemuel told her not to. Now, the way that he pushed her away was physically. Of course, he should not be physically touching her. And not only did he physically touch her, he touched her improperly. He, he grabbed her by her, uh, her beauty. And Rashi explains her beauty means... Uh, where she nurses her baby. Over alav tamid, it says over alav tamid. I'm going to see 
ולבי חנינה, משום לבי אליעזר בן יעקב, כל מארח תמיד חכם בתוך ביתו, any person who uh, allows a תמיד חכם to be a guest in his house, ומהנה ומנכסיו, and you allow a תמיד חכם to enjoy some of your property, person who has a property, and תמיד חכם gets to enjoy part of it, מה זה הכתוב? כאילו מקבלים תלמידים, the פסוק makes it as if you offer the קורבן תמיד, a person who lets a תמיד חכם stay at his house, or a תמיד חכם enjoy his property, it's like a קורבן תמיד, because it says, פסוק says, עובר עלינו, אלישה came to us, תמיד, תמיד is a קורבן תמיד. ואמר רבי יוסי בן רבחינה, משום רבי אלעזר בן עזרי, משום רבי אלעזר בן יעקב, אל יעמיד אדם במקום גבוהה ויתפלל. פרשן שלא מפרי בבריא הרבה ספוט. אין לו מקום נמוך, ואין 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 But Brighton also says like this, Lo ya'amod adam, lo al gabe kiseh, lo al gabe sharfuf, sharfraf, lo mekom gavoa, a person shouldn't stand not on a chair, and not on a bench, and not on a high place and pray. Elo mekom namo, he should pray on a low place. Because there's no greatness in front of Hashem. Everyone is low in front of Hashem. It says, From the depths I call out to you, Hashem and Tehilim. It says, It says, To a poor man, that Hashem will answer them. And, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. אני, meaning a person who thinks low of himself like במה מקים. ואמר רבי יוסי ברכנינה, משום רבי אלעזר בן יעקב, המתפלל, a person who prays, שיכוון על רגליו, he should always keep, when you pray עמידה, you should always have your feet together next to each other. שנאמר, ורגליהם רגל ישרה, it says, and the feet of the angels are like one straight foot. That's why they have to be straight. ואמר רבי יוסי ברכנינה, Another statement from the same rabbis. What does the pasuk say when it says "Don't eat on the blood"? That means you should not pray. You should not eat before you pray for your blood. Every morning you can't eat before shachrit until you pray for the blood. This is brought down in Shulchan Aruch. Anyone who eats and drinks and then prays, alav hakduv, alav hakduv mer vaoti. And me, you threw me behind you. Me, you put after you made yourself haughty. Meaning, first you sat and eat and drink, and you took care of yourself, and then you prayed to me? No, first you prayed to me. That's the right way. After you made yourself haughty, after this guy made himself haughty, that's when he accepted that I'm the king? First you haughty yourself, and then you make me king? Of course not. Okay. Here we're going back to our Mishnah. We said, according to Yeshua, that a person can read Kriyat Shema up till three hours into the day. Amar Bihuda Amar Shmuel, Halakha Kriyat Shema, Halakha Kriyat Shema, that you have till three hours of the day. HaKoreh Mikan Ve'elach, Lo Avseed. We said in the Mishnah, a person who reads after his Kriyat Shema, you didn't lose. It's like you're reading Torah. Amar Avchasta Amar Marukva, Ubalvad, Shalom Yomar Yotzer Or, when you pray after his Kriyat Shema, he now let us say his Baracha of Yotzer Or beforehand. TV, we're asking a question. How could you say that you're not allowed to say it's It sounds later on 
like a person who prays after the time of Zman Kiret Shema, you don't lose anything. It's like you're reading Torah, but you could still make the Berachot before and after the Debrite that says, so make up your mind. Is it true that you're not allowed to say Yosef Or? Or is it true that you're allowed to say everything? You're allowed to say the Berachot before and afterwards. Says Gemara, to Yufta, to Ravchista, to Yufta. You're right. That's a knock on Ravchista, and you are allowed to say it. That's according to one explanation of the Gemara. Ikid Amri, there are those who say, Amar Ravchasta, Amar Morukva, my law of seed, Shalom of seed, Berachot. According to this, Ravchista says, Law of seed, you didn't lose the Berachot. Meaning that Ravchista also agrees that you didn't lose the Berachot, and you can say the Berachot even after the time of Kirachimah. Tanya Nami Yachim, we have a writer that follows like this as well. Hakoyim Makarim Elohav Sid, Kedam Makarim Torah. Avarechu Shleim Lachareva Achad Lachareya. And then, according to this version of Chista, the Brayta is actually a proof to him and not a question of him. Amar of Mani, where Mani says, Gadol Hakoyim Kedashim Ramanata, Yotel Ma'osik Paturam. It's better to say Kedashim at the right time than learning Torah. Meaning Tanya Hakoyim Makarim Elohav Elohav Sid, Kedam Makarim Torah. You didn't lose. You like reading Torah. Mechlal the Kedam Makarim Adif. We said, you didn't lose anything, it's like you're reading Torah. But you see, that if I would, that, that means that a person who says Kirat Shema is actually better than learning Torah. Because we're contrasting the two things. Okay, well now I'll review what we learned. Okay, we have a quick review. First of all, we had the story, two stories of Bruria, Vermeer's wife. One, where she rebukes her husband that he should pray for Teshuvah. And the second one where she rebukes the Tztuki. And she tells the Stuki that he didn't bother to read the end of the Pasuk. Then we have another Stuki story where he went to Rabbi Abhu and he asked about Avshalom, how come Avshalom is uh, before Shaul, and we explained the course of Simuchim, that's the reason why. Then we have the story of Pia Patra Bechokmar Torah Ashona that David Amelech thought about the five worlds that they lived in and gave praise for each one of those worlds and we went through all the five worlds that he lived in then we explained um, Hashem is amazing how he's able to create a 3D picture and he's able to put uh, he's able to put a person into the put everything into a person. Okay. We also saw that the word Ki'en um, Biltecha means that Hashem is the one who outlasts His creation, whereas most of the time people do not get outlasted most most people get outlasted by the creation Hashem outlasts his creations then we said um, Hashem is the only one who's able to make uh, besides the only one who's able to make a person he's also the only one who's able to make a compromise between the two tzaddikim and we, sold, we said the story about Cheskiyahu and, and Yeshaya how neither one wanted to go to each other and then in the end Hashem caused one to go to the other and then we learned that a person should never give up even with a sharp sword on his neck we learned it from Chizkiyahu, and we learned that even if a, a dream dreamer comes to you, you should never give up from David HaMelech. Then we learned three Pshatim, and what does it mean that Chizkiyahu prayed El HaKir? Either the word Kir means that he um, 
from he prayed from the depth of his heart, or it means he spoke about the contrast between his grandfather Shalomo and the kir that was enough to do tchiat After all, if uh, a small kir could could uh, do tchiat emetim, uh, for sure gold and silver could just make a sick person better, which is less than tchiat emetim. And then we said the different things that Cheskiyahu did, the, the six things, three of them that the rabbis agreed with, the three things the rabbis agreed with were getting rid of the Sefer of Fuot and to destroy the Nahash of Moshe Rabbeinu and to, um, and to drag his father bones. And the three things they didn't agree with was to close up the Gihon pit and to chop the doors of the Echal off. And finally, the last thing they didn't agree with was extending the month of Nisan. We explained that it doesn't mean he actually extended the month of Nisan in Nisan. He extended the month of Nisan. Sorry, he extended the month of Adar on the 30th day of Adar, which was almost, could have been Nisan against Shmuel. Okay. Now, we also explained that a person should never be tole in his own zechut. He should always tole in the zechut of Acharim. And if you do, Hashem will put it in your zechut as well. Um, we discussed two opinions of what, what kir the Shunamit did, and then we discussed uh, how the Shunamit noticed that uh, Elisha was a holy man for different reasons. And then we said that anyone who takes care of a Tamil it's like he did a Korban Tamid. And we also said that a person should always pray in a low place, because we were talking before about how a person should never ask for things in his own merit. Therefore, we said, from the depths that call out to you, a person shouldn't stand on a chair. You should always be low when you pray to Hashem. We mentioned that you shouldn't pray al Adam, which means you can't eat before you pray. And we also spoke about not praying before the talacha is you have till six to the third hour of the day, and we, we explained the machloket what the rabbi said whether you're allowed to say kirat shema when you're praying after the third hour of the day, and we said that learning Torah is not quite as good as saying kirat shema in the right time. Baruch Adonai Amen ve'amen.